Hi, how are you doing? Hope you're well. We're back already. Uh, well, it's quick for us. Uh, we have a new series lined up. Series 7 went down really well. Uh, we had some positive feedback and lots of our athletes at least mentioning our attack approach to handling difficult situations in races. So it felt like it was a worthwhile uh, series. Um, I found myself uh, thinking about it in my day-to-day life, especially in business when up against unexpected challenges. And that's one of the important things for us here is that what we learn from our running is applicable to our normal lives too. Um, because at least for me as a coach, that's where people don't just become better runners but they become better humans too so that really got us thinking about what would be a great topic for the series this time and sometimes what we talk about can be fairly conceptual but other times quite practical too so I always start with asking myself what information could be really useful for people and what am I exposed to or have experience with that maybe you don't or haven't had so what I thought we'd do uh, was talk about the six most common mistakes people make in training I've coached a lot of athletes over the past eight or nine years so I often get to see the mistakes and the repeating patterns that you might not see especially when you're not exposed to all the different athletes and situations and races that, that I am through coaching What we then thought would make this even more valuable was to highlight how the types of mistakes we make in training are often mirrored in a non-running normal life. So in each episode, James and I will cover one training mistake and an equivalent example in normal life. I'm pretty sure it's going to work, but you never know. Um, And the list is likely going to change as we go through it, but you'll all at least get a combined 15 years of run coaching experience talking about some of the patterns and problems that um, that hold people back. So let's get cracking with the first episode. So problem number one for me, this is in no particular order, um, is comparison. Um, I'm really having to try hard not to quote the most overused comparison and joy reference that's been doing the rounds on socials for the last five years, but it's definitely um, a decent place to start. From a coach-athlete perspective, I think it crops up in two ways, right? So the first is is pretty obvious, and that's making comparison with other people. Maybe it's friends, maybe you're a bit of a racer and you find yourself looking at your main competitor's training or recent results and taking a measure of your own progress and success based on that. Yes, it's not all bad. Sometimes it can be useful. Maybe you've worked super hard in training for six months and then you finish an event ahead of someone who always used to beat you. And maybe that makes you feel good and we all like to feel good and that our efforts are paying off and that we're making good progress. The trouble with it in this scenario is that you're taking a measurement against something that you have no way of calibrating. You really don't know anything about that person you're measuring up to. You didn't live a minute of any one of those training runs. You didn't experience the unknown anguish or problems in that person's life. Or on the other side, maybe they have 10 more hours a week to train than you do. Maybe they have a team of people around them. Maybe they started running eight years before you did or perhaps uh, just have a really favourable and advantageous genetic makeup for the sport that you've both chosen. So comparison is fraught with danger and it should be treated with caution. Let me give you a theoretical. I haven't really thought this through fully, but we'll see how it comes out. Um, But let's imagine you're a really strong female athlete. You have your heart set on stepping onto the podium at UTMB one day. So you work your socks off, you do all the training, you earn your stones, you get your place in the race. 
and you have a bad day but you hang on to that same goal and you go at the training with all you've got for the next three to four years and you're inspired by the great athletes around you and finally the day comes and you get onto that podium and you're absolutely stoked and then with your achievement you start to make some comparisons you start thinking to yourself well Courtney won UTMB after winning Hard Rock in Western States so why am I thinking I've done anything all that great or maybe you win a race and someone asks you if you broke the course record it's just another measurement that maybe you don't even want to take but comparison is kind of forced onto you if you're not careful about what you let through into your mind comparison can damage your confidence and your self-worth It can make you question your value, your abilities and your purpose. And when you start to do that, you stop acknowledging your own efforts or taking much satisfaction from what you're doing. The second way we compare in training is against yourself. Clearly, it's a useful tool to monitor progress. But if you're not careful, it can in some way find yourself putting yourself down um, and adding unnecessary and unhelpful pressure. For much the same reason as I'm against the current obsession with course records, you're not the same person doing the same thing year on year or even month on month. The same races are never the same races. Each year has a different set of conditions, a different field and unique challenges. And as one of my athletes kindly shared with me this week, no man stands in the same river twice because he isn't the same man and it isn't the same river. Here's James with his thoughts on life. That was quite the profound statement there, Paul. No man stands in the same river twice. Um, I'd never heard that before, and I love it. I think it really says a lot about comparison. Um, The phrase Paul didn't open up with was comparison's thief of joy, which is overused and probably oversimplified. Comparison can actually be a positive if it's spurring you on and motivating you, but at some point it it can become a negative, it can become a detractor if what you're attaining for is not what you really want or what you're actually even capable of getting. And Paul talked a bit about the athlete life elements of that there. I found comparison early in my athlete life really, really useful, but then got to a point where it was becoming destructive and I switched off from it. And I think there's a balance with all of that. And the same applies in life. And there's a couple examples to give you. I'll, I'll talk about a couple as I go. The first thing is, is about where we live. We often look at what someone's got and think I should have that too whether it's the role they have the job they do the company they work for or the place in which they stay and I've seen it a lot where maybe I've got a bigger job than someone else but yet they've got a bigger house a bigger car or they seem to go on better holidays and then I remember that I'm only comparing the edges of our lives because you don't know what's happening inside someone's life so they may be in mega debt I might have no debt or vice versa and we may have very different things going on you never know what's happening behind closed doors and especially with the proliferation of social media today you only see in a lot of cases some people are a bit braver than others but in many cases you only see the good and what's happening those touched up 
photos or those, what's it call them, filtered images of what the, the person's life might look like. The reality is, is the only comparison you should make is the one with what's going on in your heart. Is, is do you have enough love in your life? Do you have enough love in your surroundings? And do you have enough love for what you've got and what you do to make you content and happy? Because often comparison is about trying to reach a level of happiness that's unsustainable or unattainable because it's beyond what we currently have. And I've found this a lot when I've looked at where I live. I still live in a small house in the village I grew up in, surrounded by the people who I was raised with. And at some point you look maybe two miles up the road and literally the same house is twice the price when when we bought our house. And you think, but I want to live up there. The price of the brick was the same in the house that I lived in is the house that someone else lived in. Yet, because the postcode was different, I found myself yearning for potentially looking for a move until I realised that what I was comparing to was an unrealistic expectation of want and image and status. And I have railed really hard against that because sometimes I feel that people might look at me and say, why doesn't you have more? Why haven't you got the same as them? And assuming my means and my wants are the same as someone else's and that's where comparison can become dangerous because not only are you comparing yourself to others but others are comparing yourself to others and that adds a weight of social pressure so my advice to you on comparison is is use it as a motivator when it feels like it's getting destructive and making you spend either mental energy or capital i.e money on things that don't really bring you happiness try 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 really hard to get that out of your life and as we go through this series on the pile and ultra podcast this new sprint series we're going to talk more about this both in life love work running and all of that hope you will enjoy us for the ride and if you do enjoy the podcast rate us five stars because we like to compare ourselves to other podcasts that was a joke to finish with take care thanks for listening to the pile and ultra podcast